0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On January 15th, Captain Sully Sullenberger and his crew of four landed US Airways Flight 1549 on the Hudson River, preserving the lives of all 155 passengers and crew. A miracle, a mystery. The Week ran an article called Flight 1549's Charmed Passenger. Marianne Bruce, it reported, may have been the only passenger aboard who wasn't terrified. That's because she had already escaped death six times before the jet ditched in the river last week. I'm the woman with nine lives, says the 48 year old business executive from Cornelius, North Carolina. I thought, number seven, here we go. An inveterate traveler, Marianne Bruce, was in Hawaii when a tsunami hit, and in California during an earthquake. She's flown through a hurricane and survived an avalanche while skiing in Colorado. She was in the World Trade Center when it was first attacked by a terrorist truck bomb in nineteen ninety three and witnessed the Twin Towers destruction on september eleventh, two thousand one while aboard a flight from Charlotte to Boston. Of flight 1549, she says, it never dawned on me that I wasn't getting off that plane. Her relatives call her a jinx, but she interprets, (laughs) she interprets all her close calls differently. I think I'm a good luck charm. Nor will she let the latest disaster discourage her from resuming her travels. I'm the type that just figures you've got to get back on the horse, she says, you never think it's going to happen again? You got to live life, and I don't want to live life being afraid. I pray that Marianne Bruce has more than nine lives. At the rate she's going, with only two remaining, she just might make it to a half life. <laughs> I'm captivated by stories of people who were in the wrong place at the wrong time, but somehow escaped with their lives and a new perspective from which they experience their experience as having been in the right place at the right time. The very first story that got me going on this JAG was told by my friend Anita, who, as a young girl, was trying her best to keep quiet during her infant baby brother's nap. Her parents, too, had fallen asleep. Anita was hungry. She decided that rather than walk across the creaky floor and risk awakening the baby and angering her parents, she would travel via the clothesline strung between her bedroom and the kitchen, which hung outside their New York tenement window. (laughs) Anita had watched her mother put out the wash dozens of times. She knew exactly what she was doing. Things were going Brilliantly, actually, after she had let herself out the window and walked her hands across, hand over hand, making the pulley propel the line forward and move her toward the kitchen. The hitch came when she reached dead center and her weight was too much for the pulley. She hung suspended over the concrete courtyard, did I save five stories below. She remembers taking one hand off the rope and... Glowing on it as she had holding on with the other, gotten a little hot and a little rope burned, then the other, (laughs) and finally her arms were just too tired, and she let go. Obviously, she lived to tell the story, though it was touch and go for a long time. This was in the olden days before magnetic resonance imaging. Doctors actually performed surgery to have a look inside to see what was broken or otherwise not as it should be. Her scars are amazing. When she finally returned to her neighborhood, there were those who couldn't believe that she had survived the fall. She distinctly remembers one elderly woman speaking to her very soberly, a kind of mixed warning and blessing. God, she said, must have saved you for something. Survivors often describe this urgent sense of needing to divine a higher purpose for their lives. My maternal grandparents and great-aunt lived through the flu epidemic of 1918, which killed an estimated 50 million people, more than died in World War I. They talked about it often, always with a mixed sense of grief and wonder wonder that they had been spared. I felt it, I feel it, perhaps some of you do too, about having escaped dying with AIDS. Second and third generation survivors of all manner of death-defying lives also have reason to pause and reflect, and that probably includes every one of us. There's something called survivor's guilt, but from a spiritual perspective, I am more compelled by what we might call Survivor's Divine Directive. The sense that we are called to do with our lives something much greater than our small plan. Something that fits into a higher order. Whether or not it's true, I love the idea of living as if it were true, as if each of us is here to answer a higher calling and fulfill a greater purpose than we might even imagine. Believe it or not, these are the words of spiritual activist and author, our friend Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not. That we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in every one of us. And as we let our own light shine, We unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, she concludes, our presence automatically liberates others. On March 18th, 1937, the New London School in New London, Texas, exploded with 500 students and 40 teachers inside killing 293 people. One little girl stayed home sick that day. Her teacher and every one of her classmates, her entire class, vanished. I wouldn't have known anything about this tragedy except that that little girl grew up and more than 60 years later, her daughter was working with me on the morning of September 11th, 2001. With all of us, my coworker followed the stories of those who had been saved by some extraordinary coincidence, and from her unique perspective, she wondered who would be telling the stories as her mother and then as she and her siblings tell their story to this day. Why was her mother spared? It's not ours to know. Why some are saved and some are not is a mystery. The fruitful reflection on why we have lived to see this day, why each one of us is here today, is one we can only answer with our lives. Educator and author Parker Palmer said, let your life speak. Our friend singer and songwriter Chris Williamson is writing a memoir. Here's a sneak preview, just one story. Chris writes, Dad had been shot in the head in the war, shot by a German soldier with a machine gun. He was in the ski troops, the 10th Mountain Division newly created near the end of the war. Their job was gonna be to get the Germans out of the Alps. They trained in Colorado on Vail Mountain. Dad learned how to ski, he learned mountaineering techniques, and he learned that the Rockies were where he wanted to spend the rest of his born days. Though wounded, he made it home, but I knew he knew some things about life and death more than anyone else I knew. He brought his helmet home, the one with the hole in it where the bullet had come through into his head. I used to put my finger through that hole and wonder at these things. I was worried that it hurt him, but he assured me that it did not. He said he had wanted to go to sleep, to lie down with his cheek on the earth and sleep forever. A buddy picked him up and piggybacked him off that mountain and into a field hospital, saving Dad's life and thereby engendering mine. Years later, she continues, that man, Stan Jones, and my dad stood in the back of the drinking gourd, a folk club on Union Street in San Francisco where I was playing. And I had a huge telescoping moment where I realized that I wouldn't be on that stage at that moment if that man hadn't saved my dad's life. Three lives intertwined. Later, I wrote him a letter thanking him for that act. I would not be here today if not for the retrieval of my father that day, on a battlefield, far away. There were many instances in my life where I learned again and again about the interconnectedness of things. These things quicken a spirit already furthered by living amidst such overwhelming evidence that the mystery is alive and afoot. Chris's album, The Changer and The Changed, is one of the best-selling independent releases ever produced. In the extraordinary way that only music can change us, that album changed me and so many of you I know. And if you don't know the album, you want to hear it because I suspect that it will change you too. And so we are changed by Chris, by her dad, by Stan Jones, keep going and so the web is woven and so we take our rightful place in it with a choice about living as if living matters. My spiritual companions, I invite you to reflect on the trajectory of the lives of these survivors. Those who escaped both World War I and the flu epidemic, those who lived to tell the tale of the new London school explosion and World War II, my friend Anita after a five-story fall, those who survived the plague of AIDS and the 9-11 attacks, and Mary Ann Bruce and all the passengers and crew of Flight 1549. How absolutely extraordinary, really, that we arrived alive this morning. All of which is to say that I invite you to join me in reflecting on our lives, all of us who have lived to tell the story as if we were saved for something. That, that amazing, saving grace is up to us. I'm thinking of the words with which i love to close a memorial service a benediction, a blessing, and a call to life for the living. May this person's death, I like to say, recall us to our own destiny, and strengthen us in our devotion to those who remain with us. As we, by times, think of them and think what more they might have become, May we think of ourselves and choose to live the kind of lives they would have wished us to live. So may their life be an eternal influence upon those whom they did not linger here to meet. Amen to life.